Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Played off the left wing side, Bertuzzi back in for Domi in front of the left, Robertson scores! Nicky Robertson gets the Leafs a 2-0 lead. we got a great team and um, it's not always um, due to, I guess, play in, in some instances, right? You look at our roster and it's just a numbers game and whenever he's come in, he's, he's played great and I'm sure the coaches and management see that. And, um, it was great to see him get the, the opportunity tonight. He made the most of it. He seems to be doing that quite a bit, so it's great to see. Like you said, it seems every game he's played and he seems to find the back of the net, and that's always a positive thing. So um, I, th I think that line, too, with uh, with Domes and Yarny, um, you know, Yarny's such a workhorse, and uh, Max is such a good passer, and uh, I think they really complement each other well um, with Robbie having a heavy shot that he does. So uh, that was a big goal for us tonight, and a big play by you know, Bert and Domes there on the entry. Good morning, fan morning show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Man, my weekend was just, it was it was watching sports, and the oh. sports were so good. It's a sporting weekend. And it, it was at a hockey rink, whether it be indoor or outdoors, mm. uh, and that's about to end this week, because I think we're getting rain and, like, plus five-degree temperatures. But good Monday morning to you, Brent. Great Monday morning. Leafs. We didn't have to talk about Saturday. Picked up a win last night. Mm. I mean, we will talk about Saturday. I, like you... Spend an inordinate or inordinate amount of time at a hockey rink uh, for someone whose child has not even turned four yet. Uh, on the ice twice yesterday, mm -hmm. one indoor, one outdoor. So yeah, a uh, lot of hockey for me. A lot of watching hockey late at night. A lot of good football this weekend. It certainly delivered. Uh, this is, you know, often we'll do a show and it's ah oh, we had too much to fit. This is an ultimate Monday where we have so much to fit in today. Wicked sporting weekend. So happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here too. And and yeah, I, I get the extra day off at the end of last week. Uh -huh. So like the, the takes are, there's bubbling near the surface uh, today. You're like a take cauldron. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the, the, the very top of it's the like, cauldron oh, is always bubbling. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's get into it. Yeah. Takes, go, go, you, give me one. <laughs> okay, so th this road trip no, feels that's not a, no, quick, very disappointing in an overall sense for the Maple Leafs because of all the losses to the Canadian teams outside of the win against the Calgary Flames. So they finish a, a mm -hmm. Western road trip at 2-2, two and two, which you know, should be fine, right? Really should. For, there was a moment there before the two points were achieved against a Kraken team that's mm -hmm. no good on the best of days, but uh, less good when they're missing like half the roster because of the flu. There's a moment there before the, the final result where... After the Detroit Red Wings regulation mm. win over the Lightning, the Leafs are no longer in the top three in the Atlantic Division. In fact, are in the final wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. But no, nope. they pick up the victory. Uh, Ilya Samsonov, his first in like a month and a half as the Toronto Maple Leafs back into the top three in the Atlantic Division. And all's good. Yeah, all's good. Everything's good. I, uh, like you, do not... Uh, I'm not remotely worried about the possibility of the Leafs... Uh, missing the playoffs here. I think it's good. One of us has to keep tabs on such things. I didn't know for a fleeting moment that the, the Detroit had gone ahead of, of the Leafs. You know, it's funny. We'll do like the games in hand thing. And now it looks one way. Guess what? By the time they play on Wednesday and other teams will play games over the next two days, it's going to look a different yeah, way. It's But they're, they've pretty much used up all those games in hand. There's only one game in hand now on Detroit and two on the Lightning. Right. And, you know, Detroit's going to play a game. Or, like this, what, this is all I'm saying. It's just depending on the exact snapshot mm. in time, you can look at it. It's like, guess what? 
uh, Detroit's probably going to play a game between now and Wednesday. I I would no, I, I know, but it was like not that long ago. We're talking four. about like four yep. games in hand. No, you're, what you're saying makes sense. The idea the idea of this team being in peril, I think, is something that is certainly a feeling that has been around them. Go ask the head coach uh, re- whether he'd re- want to admit it or not. I mean, you see the way he coaches some of these games. Maybe we get into that. There is certainly an element of it. But, yeah, they needed that win. And like you said, two and two, heart, hardly a crisis point. One and three certainly would have felt like it, even if they, you know, let's say last night the worst case scenario happens and Samsonov lets in a squeaker at the tail end and it's 2-2 and you're going to overtime. Yeah, that would have felt like a very, very different trip. It's amazing how much that win needed to was needed to kind of salvage it the other part of it is just stylistically how that look that win looked and felt for me that was the question I have my watching that game for myself about this Leafs team was is this a one-off is this a blip is this something they can just conjure because it's the back half of a back-to-back and you're like all right let's finish this thing strong Samson I was back there or is this a little glimpse of a return to form from a from things we've seen from parts of this group in years past? Yeah, that's funny. Uh, so Ilya Samsonov just uh, sees 17 shots headed his way, went like swaths of the game, like half of a mm-hmm. period without seeing a shot on goal. But That'd had like, I don't know, three, four saves that were, if not 10 bellers, certainly upper echelon sure. uh, degree of difficulty saves. He stopped them all, save for the one scramble in front of him, uh, and as I mentioned, gets his first victory in forever and ever and ever and ever. Now, the Leafs' next game coming up on Wednesday, they play a home-and-home against the best Canadian team going outside of the Vancouver Canucks that they just saw on Saturday, which we could maybe get to later on as well. But uh, they got the Winnipeg Jets on Wednesday and on Hockey Night in Canada. So a little bit of a a breather Mm -hmm. here between games and Martin Jones has been great in an overall sense for the Maple Leafs. I wouldn't say he was great on Saturday. And the save uh, percentage no. is is above 900 for him, but now 9-11 instead of like the 970 it was mm-hmm. when he came out of the gates as uh, the emergency goaltender turned into the number one goaltender for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. He's 34 years old. He's not 44 years old. Ilya Samsonov is just a year removed from mm-hmm. being one of the best goalies in the NHL. Yep. End of sentence, period. And also winning a playoff series and being the better goaltender against Andre Vasilevsky mm-hmm. over the span of six games. That did happen. Now, it's been a circuitous route since then. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's not been great. In fact, it's been awful, awful, awful. Yep. But I will still say, even with the potential of this season once again going off the rails, yes. the ceiling is higher yep. with Ilya Samsonov than it is with Martin Jones. And if you're a team that is, okay, okay like uh, on occasion capable of, of tamping down the scoring chances against, but more likely than not going to need some big saves in third periods to maintain leads mm-hmm. and going to, by and large, try to outscore people, yep. I'd, I'd actually take the goalie with the, the higher ceiling as opposed to the higher floor. One of these guys is the third goalie who every team in the league had a chance to get for free on waivers. And one of them is the guy who you just laid out the case who won them a playoff series and was coming into the year as at the very least 1A, if not just number one. Don't take this as me saying Elias Samsonov is back and there's no there's no looking back and just give him the net and we don't have to think about this anymore. Oh, no, 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 no. Far, far from it. But... The idea that you'd do anything other than to give Ilya Samsonov the net on Wednesday night, and then guess yeah. what? If he plays well, give him the net again on Saturday night, 
It didn't take a lot. And sorry, Martin Jones, you, you know, they say you can't get hurt and lose your job. Well, you know what? Ilya Samsonov almost did, but Marty Jones can definitely get Wally pipped. Okay. There is no world where you have to protect him or anything along those lines. You shake his hand, you tap him on the butt, you tell him he's done a great job. And he's like a reliever who, who came in, did his spot duty, picked up the hold, if you will. And now you, you, you go to, to Samsonov here. There's no world where you do anything else than go back to him, try to get him give him a bit of a run. I was thinking about the analogy I wanted to go with for like building up Ilya Samsonov. And I think I landed on it. It's kind of like building a fire, but it's not building a fire from scratch. It's like when you go camping and it's like, okay, the, the fire is out. And then you're like, hold on. Is that like a little coal in there? There's still some embers to be pouring the embers. water and you're blowing on the embers. But you got to be so delicate. Like, you can't blow too hard. That's why the media couldn't talk to him last week. It's like, you guys, gas bags, absolutely not. Cannot be around Ilya Samsonov. You're going to blow too hard. You're going to blow the coal apart. And now it's like they're just slowly fanning the flames. But much like a fire built on top of embers, once you get this thing to catch, if you get it to catch, Mm -hmm. to your point about the high ceiling, it's going to be a rip-roaring fire. Like, I don't don't take this as Ilya Samsonov is about to go on some Vesna run. I am not saying that remotely. But if he finds his feet enough to find the net, that's the version of him you're going to see. There has very there there is very seldom in his Leafs tenure, and I know it's been a year and a half, but in his NHL tenure for that matter, where there's been mushy middle ho hum Ilya Samsonov. He's been barely able to hold on to the net, or he has been running away with it in spades. Is kind of the way we've gone with this thing. And I'm not saying that last night is all the proof you need to say that he's ready to run. He could get lit up on Wednesday by the Jets. Entirely possible. But confidence is so important. Carrying it forward is such a thing. It was the reason he's down. I genuinely believe that last night can be enough of a building block. That's why. That's where I go with this, is that you have to, have to invest everything you can in to get this guy going again. And look, If he gets lit up by the Jets, this is a completely different conversation on Thursday morning. But right now, you have to carry forward as though this guy is your at least one until Wall comes back. I mean, what's more likely? That 34-year-old Martin Jones will have his first full season with the same percentage over 900 Mm -hmm. since 2018? Or that Ilya Samsonov can return to at least a league average goaltender? And if he does that, it means he's primed for an insane second half run here because the the numbers numbers, are are rough. And even uh, allowing just a single goal yesterday because of the lack of shots on goal, uh, the same percentage doesn't rise all that much. Still at 866 this season. Which means that, yeah, I mean, if you believe in the, the laws of average yep. uh, taking over here, that he, he's going to have a few more games that, that look similar to the one we saw yesterday in Seattle. I, I, think it's, I think it's almost a certainty that he starts on Wednesday. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine a scenario outside of him getting sick or something that he does not take the net. This is exactly what you wanted. This is exactly what you need. And, you know, I know Joe Wall was traveling, but they cannot afford to rush him back. Like, I know we got a nice start out of Samsonov. We saw that last night. I know Joe Wall, or sorry, Martin Jones has given them fine enough goaltending. But as we said, ah, that's starting to slip ever, ever so precariously. So I think you look at it and say that you need Samsonov here. You're going to need him as the year goes on. And there is enough of a runway, I think. I'd love to be proven wrong by a healthy Joe Wall where he shouldn't have to be looking over his shoulder too much. I think that's the other part of it is that they probably... You know, I'm, I'm sure they've tried every strategy in the book to get the best version mentally of Ilya Samsonov, but they've probably at times told him you're competing for this job, da-da-da-da-da. Now they can tell him, look, you got to run until Wall 
comes back here. And if you don't perform well, that run can go away at any given time. But so long as you keep performing fine, good enough to Randy Carlisle, yeah, I thought he was good enough, mm-hmm. then that's going to be enough for him to kind of get his sea legs under him and have this job until Wool comes back. Uh, Martin Jones over his last five with an 857 save percentage. Yeah, and he was, and let's also just like, we've kind of just talked about uh, Sunday. He was not good on the game against well, the Canucks. Okay, so this is what I want to get to. All right, so the Leafs are, are not standings-wise where they would hope to be, and some mm-hmm. of the underlying stats are not exactly where you'd want them, mm-hmm. and they just came off a four-game losing streak, and all these blown leads in the second half of games and yes. in the third period specifically. <sighs> they they were on the verge of one of their wins of the season on Saturday, coming all the way back mm-hmm. from down 3 nothing, and the shorthanded Mitch Marner goal, and yep. yada, 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 yada. Uh, they can't score on the power play. The Canucks can. Canucks mm-hmm. get the saves from Thatcher Demko, the Leafstone from Martin yep. Jones. And it's it's a one-off, but it is a microcosm. Like, how much of when it's going wrong for this Leafs team and their save percent or mm-hmm. their uh, their power play percentage, uh, they're still in sixth, I believe, in the yep. NHL, but the, the, the power play percentage is now significantly down from where it was a season ago mm-hmm. under Guy Boucher. How much of what we've watched this season and the disappointment that we've uh, experienced uh, and this Leafs team has experienced to this point now past the midway point on the verge of the all-star break is because of two things. One, goaltending, mm-hmm. and the team yep. save percentage is under 500, mm-hmm. or under 900 oh my now. God, could you imagine? Yeah. That actually be the most impressive like. hockey team of all time. Yeah, if they were in a playoff spot, the yeah. save percentage <laughs> under 500. Uh, their save percentage is under 900, and the special teams. I mean, they've got a bottom 10 group on the penalty yep. kill, and this is a team with the elite offensive talent it possesses, needs to be a top three team on the power mm-hmm. play. They haven't been that this season. How much of everything we watched here, and them not being in the spot that they expect and hope to be, Comes down to goaltending mm. and special teams. Well, and I, I don't know if you've heard this. This is a hockeyism, but your goalie's got to be your best penalty killer. Correct. Uh, they do say that occasionally, they being hockey men uh, out there. And I think there's obviously something to that. Now, there's personnel issues aside from just the goaltender. It's not a, a perfect team. It's no. not like you give this team great goaltending and great special teams and they're the best team in the NHL. I'm no. just talking, but no. I mean, who would have viewed this this roster that way anyways? I'm just saying, like yeah. a team that's competing at the top of the Atlantic division. For sure. All that's separating them is goaltending and special teams. Well, and it's also been, there has also, there are other issues with this team, but this is, and actually I'm really happy you bring it up in this way, because this is a point I've I've often talked about uh, in terms of, you know, people will, you know, people like to pretend they watch more out of mar- market hockey than they do. People be like, oh, this Boston team is so good. They, name names, name well, names. Well, okay, uh, Richard, my buddy out there. Sorry, okay? The there When you, we have these conversations about other teams and go, oh, Keith tinkers too much. Uh, you know other teams change their lines occasionally. It's not just the same lines every, every single night with the same 12 forwards in the exact same spots. And sometimes I think people will look at this and say, oh, you're not getting enough out of your goal. You're not getting enough of your penalty kill. That is a part of hockey. But when you look at this group, you also see swoons from penalty kill they will have moments where you see and you go okay why can't Benoit kill penalties he's range he's long he blocks shots he gets in the way you will look at a guy like Brody he's the reason why that has fallen off so much in in my regard I mean that's the place I quite frankly I don't point the finger to say this is all TJ Brody's fault but you've got a diminished version of him he has been the rock on your back end for so so long Giordano's longer in the tooth and you've had struggle struggle goaltending like you just add all of those things together some of them I think can change like the goaltending I think the goaltending can get better 
I don't know that the personnel on this group, penalty kill-wise, is going to get any better. But I also think that there are other flaws in this team, like Max Domi. We've gone up and down a million times. Uh, it's not a perfect team. No, it's not. But this is this brings me back to what I was trying to say initially. We think all these other good teams out there are. And yeah, you know, Vancouver has been a kind of perfect team this year. The last year. month, Edmonton's been perfect. Perfect. Li- literally. Yeah. But... Other teams have these issues where you would point to and say, don't like this, don't like that. Mm-hmm. But when it is something that can nuke you in such a way like your penalty kill, what's the name of the game? It's scoring goals and preventing them. And penalty kill kills you in that regard. Well, look at the, the two great teams that they played on this road trip in Edmonton and Vancouver, yeah. right? Didn't get the saves that the Oilers got in the Oilers game. Didn't get the goals in the power play. They're one for the last 15 on the power play. Didn't get the goals in the power play against Vancouver. Didn't get the saves that the Vancouver Canucks got from Thatcher Demko. Did they look worlds apart from those teams? Nope. They look pretty pretty well yeah. on par with both of those teams. And it was different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like they had a lead against the Oilers and they give it up. And against the Canucks, they come all the way back and then let it go at the end. Like, I... Just time and time again, when given the top-level talent and top-level teams standing-wise that the Leafs have played this season, they they don't look worlds apart. Very rarely do they look worlds apart. And when you're talking about fine margins and you're talking about a not insignificant part of the game in goaltending and special teams, hard for me not to come back to that point. And I I do wonder, as this progresses, again, like the, the power play needing to be one of this team's best weapons... How much of the the conversation starts to swirl around Guy Boucher and mm. and and the lack of production that they're getting uh, at five on four? I flat out refuse to point the finger at a coach with this group with the power play. They we've tried everything in the, in this market. There have been Guy Boucher has come in. We've had Manny Malhotra is going to fix the power play. Guess what? Uh, they have four $40 million forwards, the price of the brick, only going up next year. Once William Nylander jumps to eleven five, Morgan Riley, great power play guy. Yes, there are systems you can work on, and I'm not saying the coach doesn't matter, have any input at all, but they've they've had a million coaches with this group, and guess what? It has had moments where it clicks at that legendary Oilers-like status, but it has never been a consistent, consistent weapon for them at the times it matters most. So I think that there is some element to that, but I can't sit here and point the finger at Guy Boucher because... You know, I, I'm not going to say Guy Boucher is a, a brilliant hockey mind, but I'm not going to say he's a bad one either. But what I look at is, look at all the guys who have worked with that group. Do you think all those coaches mm. are idiots throwing stuff at the wall? And I know, I'm not saying you're saying that, but how can you look at all of the different looks and different coach and different strategies this mm. group has tried and say, ah, it's coaching. That's the problem. I can't, I cannot get there with the power play. No, I get it. Right. It's the players on the ice, no doubt. Um yeah. Jim's and Joe's, not X's <laughs> well, and O's. And especially this sport, right? Like you can you can get your it's mind. Actually like Gords and Toms. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're right. Um yeah, it's not the NFL where you have a more direct impact on on the run of play of the game. I mean, there are although he does love that whiteboard. He really is like an NBA coach. In, I will in that say regard. that if if you are gonna break down like one area specifically of hockey where it does feel like coaching becomes the really important, it's when the game slows down when you have the puck. It, it, as long as you get into the zone with mm-hmm. possession and the power play. Yeah, you can run your plays, right? Like yep. that that is where it's less of a free flowing, oh, turnover, crazy play here. Mm-hmm. Like you are trying to run your plays. And so much of this comes down to John Tavares' shooting percentage, specifically on the power play, but mm-hmm. uh, results. I was also thinking, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it does you're feel thinking? like it, it feels you like say that like you're surprised. Uh Sheldon Keefe mm. has gotten a bit of a reprieve here. I mean, again. 
two and two on a on a road trip is not spectacular, but it's not the nightmare that honestly. Even if you lose yesterday yep. to a Seattle game, it's, it's an entirely different tenure here. Totally. And we're, we're, I think we're having Sheldon Keefe hot seat conversations again. I don't, this doesn't happen in the NHL, but it happens in the NFL. We saw it a couple of times and a couple of times it proved dividends where, I mean, the Steelers and the Bills fired coordinators mm-hmm. during the season and got a bump both, I, I don't know, like from a, an unquantifiable standpoint, but there was also a quantifiable thing that happened there as far as the play calling sure. on offense for the Steelers and Bills. Mm-hmm. I get, I, I don't think mm-hmm. there's a history in the NHL no. of of teams firing assistants during a season, but I wonder if it would give you a similar boost that it does in, in other sports. I think it is the absolute last thing this Leaf group needs is for them to have another finger or somebody else they can point the finger at if you do that and again like i'm not saying you're suggesting that but you're right it's an interesting thought exercise let's say you did that if i'm any of the core four and john Tavares, because we've now moved morgan riley in there sorry john got to get a goal in your back in immediately but if you're those guys you go oh okay so it's not my fault it's not it's not me who should be you know a hundred point guy or it's not me who's on pace for 70 it's not my fault it's not morgan riley who's having a career year it's not my fault it was it was Guy Boucher's fault or it was Manny Malhotra's fault or whoever's running the power play. Like, I understand the thought you're getting at, but think about all we ever talk about with this group is accountability and internal accountability and those guys having to own it. And I don't think, I want to be clear, I don't think any of those guys have been awful on the power play at any mm. point, far, far from it this year. But I think you look at it and say, the last thing I want is those guys to have an excuse to say, yeah, you know what? Actually, it's not me. You're right. It's, but isn't it's that the pushback to any coaching change, right? Like if, if you fire Sheldon Keefe, aren't you making the same assertion? And you, well, I guess you're hoping the reaction is, oh, we're Baker. responsible yeah. for, no, we're, we, we cost this man his job. Mm-hmm. We got to smarten up. We got to figure things out. Yeah. And I would think that the same type of sentiment would, would surround this team if Guy Boucher was summarily dismissed. I don't know that. I mean, part of it is he's been here for a year. Part of it is that it is a, you know, let's also be honest. I feel like the way the Leafs would go about it is they just like bring in another body. Be like, we now have an, we, mm. the, uh, who got hired? Oh, the Blue Jays, they hired an offensive coordinator. It's like they would go, the Leafs would do that move. They wouldn't fire anybody. They'd just go another cook in the kitchen. Here we, here we go. So I, I see the point you're getting at. I just can't, I can't get there with this group of looking at anything other than themselves in the mirror. The other thing is, is, you know, part of this is, you know, Marner actually thought he was, I thought he had a great week. I I really, really did. I thought he really brought it, you know, after the, uh, the comments we don't need to go back to about, Oh, we're playing great hockey. Well, he proved it. He, He followed it up. But, you know, you look at all the teams that are kind of up there in power play percentage, obviously the Oilers, the Rangers, you, you see that all the time. The Lightning even, they have a, and I don't I don't want to turn this into Mitch Marner isn't a tremendous player because that's not what I'm trying to say. But Kucherov is truly transcendent on the power play. Panarin, same exact thing. We I don't need to tell you who's good on the Oilers. Even the Bruins with a guy like Pasternak, he just cooks there. He owns it. And... I'm not going to ever sit here and tell you the Leafs have too many good players on the power play. That's far from the problem. There's not a guy who it all flows through. It's starting to get to the point where it all flows to get Matthews a good look. And that's a great, that's a good, that's as good a strategy as any, any point in time, especially when you have the extra man. But the other thing I go to is that, you know, that should be kind of Marner, but the way the Leafs power play has always operated. It's never been 
get set up, get the puck to this guy, and then he will work his magic. They've tried to go more to like getting the puck to Riley in the at the top of at the at the top of the zone there, and then he has the two one timers available to him. They've tried to have that look more, but that's the thing I keep going back to is the teams that you think of as having transcendent power plays, they all have a guy that it just immediately flows through. Mm. And the Leafs, they have guys who are capable of that, but I don't know that that's ever been the way the Leafs power play has operated. Yeah, and Austin Matthews has 38 goals, only nine on the power play, right? Like it's it's is that that's more impressive. <laughs> it's I mean, this is a, a Leafs team that doesn't have an elite power play, and Austin Matthews is still uh, on pace for now 69 goals um, after an incredible Western Canadian road trip. Has the three goals, has the hat trick in Calgary against Flinch. Shout out to your guy Jordan Bean. Um, yes. who's finally getting like the, the larger love than cloak than, than just like the, the true believers yes. uh, know about. And he being one of the, the two assistants, who's the other guy that's in the video room. But like, point. I didn't know that there's two of them. Yeah. That it d- does seem like the, su- the success they're having is not a one man job, but yeah, the two of them combining to, to steal the Leafs a regulation win in Calgary. Boy, did they, uh, I just want to go on record that I hate uh ticky tack reviews like that, but I'll take it Uh scoreboard. Yeah. Uh, and scoreboard would tell you that. Yeah. Austin Matthews has uh 38 goals. Slick, slick goal last night. It was, you know, he scores, he scored prettier goals. That was, that was like Sunday morning coffee. That was easy. That was roll. That was like rolling out of bed and putting on slippers. He didn't even think about that. The way he was just able to take that puck, pull it between his legs, wait, 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 pull it around the goaltender. It was, it was remarkable. And you know, he scores goals in a million different ways. I've talked a lot about how it feels like the one timer has been more of a weapon this year, maybe than in, in years past, but you know, that's, that's the thing about Matthews. He's just truly so special. I had a big gush fest on, on Friday when, when you were in here is basically all I talked about for the first 40 minutes of the show is just how incredible he was, but in that game and how incredible he is, it's, it's, I cannot overstate it. And you know, I'll just reset the point I was making then now, because it's even further hammered home by how good he was. It's just, no one needs me to tell you that this Leafs group needs to have success. But God, if all I ever have from this era to talk about the greatest leaf I've, I probably will ever see in my life is, hey, he won a round or he won two rounds. Like Donaldson, the MVP year, they went to a, you know, a CS that, that year. You, other guys who have had these amazing moments and runs in the city have the run to point mm-hmm. to. Like even Doug Gilmore never won it, like never won the Hart Trophy or anything along those lines. We can all point to 93. And it's just, God, th- he doesn't deserve it until he goes and takes it. And, you know, that round against Florida, we can all look back to the no goals in the five-game series. But, God, he deserves a run. And he has to go earn it. He has to get it, yada, yada, yada. But every time I watch him, that's all I think is just there needs to be a run to punctuate home what this guy is. I mean, if he's here for the entirety of his prime and, hey, William Nylander's going to be here for the entirety of yep. his prime. And I think we're probably months away from Mitch Marner signing up to be here for the entirety of his prime. Like you, We're about a year away from that. It's it's hard for me to imagine that you go a decade plus yep. of, of those guys with just one postseason series victory. They're going to, at worst, have a San Jose Sharks-type run where they won no cups, but <sighs> at least I, they made it cup final. Wouldn't I be so lucky to have my heart crushed in June? <laughs> I, I'm not joking. Yeah, I know you're not. Uh... Buffalo Bills fans don't feel so lucky today, oh, though. God, it was so bad. After yet another postseason loss <laughs> to the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll get into that. Uh, and an incredible divisional weekend in the NFL next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. 
Sportsnet 590, The Fan. has tremendous support in the building. If he has to make one for us, the game on the line, he will. 44 yards, pass. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo have surfaced again. Um, sucks. Losing sucks. Losing them, losing anybody at home sucks. You just losing sucks. I don't know what else to say. That's, that's enough. Uh, Hard to agree, Josh fan, Allen. Fan morning show, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, as the Buffalo Bills postseason comes to a close after a loss to the Kansas City Chiefs for the third time in the Josh Allen era as they drop uh an AFC Divisional Round playoff game, mm-hmm. 27-24. Tyler Bass has missed 44-yarder. Mm-hmm. Did you see that the, the stat that it was the exact same time on the clock as, as Scott Norwood's 44-yarder? I did. I did. And That's, it was also from 44 yards? God, talk, about, right. talk about twisting the knife. Uh, you know what I did think about? So earlier in the year, we had the game between these two teams and pass interference and everything that happened there. And you got Mahomes. Oh, it's the worst bleeping call I've ever heard in my life. I would have loved. I obviously this would have become like a whole thing in Buffalo and a question of Josh Allen's leadership and yada, yada. How great would it have been for content's sake? If when they're doing their dap up after the game, he just got out. Oh, it's the worst idiot kicker ever. Mm. We would have had a different game. That's immediately where my head went afterwards is just how Patrick Mahomes handled his loss where he goes, our minds is on right. Not supposed to do this. And Josh Allen just going, uh, yeah, this kicker just uh, stole it from me. But like you said, like there's a lot of time left on the clock and far from a guarantee that that changes things. But man, you want to talk about twisting the knife? It's as cruel as it gets. Like it, it really is. You know where my head was at at the conclusion of that game? Mm. How right I was about the hugging Kansas City your, Chiefs. Hugging your child, being like, our Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. He didn't even watch the game. Yeah. It wasn't all that I was interesting. Gonna say, I was like, your Chiefs are playing. He's like, what? Okay. <laughs> PlayStation? Uh, sure. Yeah. PlayStation. <laughs> Can we go skating again? No. Um, <laughs> no, no, I was right about the Chiefs, right? This is this is a team that... You're more right about the AFC than the Chiefs. Mm, am I? Yeah. I mean, that was... Okay, there's no doubt that, that that's a Bills team that had its issues, especially defensively, and boy, the, the Chiefs offense was, was not threatened uh, in any real way by a Bills defense that, you know, had injuries going Walking into that game wounded. and then suffered injuries yep. throughout the course of the game. But this is also, like, come on. The, the Chiefs have played some bad defenses during the course of the regular season, but have still looked pretty inept offensively comparatively mm-hmm. to the previous half decade of Patrick Mahomes' Kansas City Chiefs teams. But yep. until they're dead, buried in, in the ground in the postseason, yep. you have to defer to Patrick Mahomes and future Hall of Famer Travis Kelsey, who, I mean, those two... Mm-hmm. At times during this season, and yeah. even in the postseason, last week you had three drops, mm-hmm. right? Like in a victory, haven't looked like themselves. They look vintage yesterday. The the connection between the two as they, they now tie Brady and Gronk for the most yeah. uh, postseason Great. connection touchdowns in playoff history. Yeah, we're, we're right back to where we were, I think, with the defending... Super Bowl champs. Oh, you're like, you're squinting your eyes and you're like, ah, no, they're not the same. I mean, they're They're not. not. They're not. You're right. They're better defensively. No, you're right. Okay, the defense is better. That offense finally put together a game, but I look at that as 
like I'm not going to sit here and take You're too much away. You're still doubting the Chiefs. I'm doubting what they went through. The Bills choke that game away huh. like dogs. Tyler Bass misses the kick, but I'm just going to here's a great tweet Matt Chatham, good football follow, uh, great patriot uh, as well, so I'll just throw that in there, but Sucks Bass missed the layup kick. It also sucks that Josh Allen missed the wide-open post pattern right before that. He sure. also fumbled a few plays earlier. Okay, he nearly the, threw a pick six, and Stephon Diggs dropped. Like, this is, so, did the those, Chiefs win the game a 1,000%? And are there breaks that go both of these ways? Because D Ford jumped offside, sure. which put Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. Like, we understand these things, okay? These breaks go both the ways. But when I look at that game, I look at that as the Bills' inability to take advantage of gifts given to them. They fumbled the ball through the end zone when they should have had walk-in touchdown. And Buffalo, what do they do? Immediately capitulate on the very next drive. To, I, I am not going to sit here and say that the Chiefs don't deserve to be where they're at. They absolutely do. They beat everyone who's been put in front of them. But this is way more proof positive of the Bills' choking it away, gagging it away, not taking advantage of everything that was there for them as opposed to it was the transcendent chiefs and them being truly unstoppable. I mean, you would have been saying the transcendent. You would have been talking about the chiefs being transcendent if, in fact, even if the Bills score a touchdown there, like there's not much doubt in my mind that Patrick Mahomes goes the other way and scores either a walk-off touchdown or gives the, the chiefs the lead with very little time on the clock. Um... You're right. Like they, they, Josh Allen wasn't perfect, but damn it! Like we're we're talking about a guy whose biggest bugaboo going into this postseason, even Week 18 yep. against the Miami Dolphins with the three turnovers, is this guy can just limit the turnovers, right? Like he has all the talent in the world if he just keeps, if he stays within himself, mm -hmm. and for the majority of that football game, and and I guess you can quibble with the attempted pass to Shakir in the end zone as yep. opposed to taking the digs check down on second down well, on I the final drive. Quibble with him putting the ball on the dirt. And the fact that the Bills okay, recover it. Yeah, but it, who cares about that? They, they didn't lose the football. That wasn't a turnover. He fumbled the ball. Okay, they, they, we can talk about what ifs and buts, but they, in this case, were candies and nuts, yeah. right? Like, so it, <laughs> it's irrelevant. That, that does not factor into the end result of the football game. He took what was given to him. He made some spectacular plays. Did he come maybe one play short? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll hear that. Um, and and, and touch the fun digs. Yeah, and Stefan Diggs. I mean, it's hard for me to 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 get all wrapped up in the Stefan Diggs miscatch. I mean, other than that being a spectacular throw that I traveled sixty three yards in the air, that was right I, into his bread basket. I tweeted this. That is my when I close my eyes. That's what I now see when someone says country mile. Yeah, uh, agreed. Um, Bills end up in. Around the same territory, I mean, albeit a, taking a few more plays than that would have yep. in a single strike, and and maybe the momentum of of catching that ball leads them into mm -hmm. the end zone, but they were there either way, right? Like if I'm a Bills fan, sure, I'm I'm thinking about the the couple of plays that weren't made, but I think by and large, I'm thinking about man, what do we have to do to beat this team? Oh, uh, okay. If I'm a Bills fan, I'm thinking uh, if we had, I don't know, like a third of our defense banged up as opposed to half of it, then maybe that's the difference in that game. The complete blowing coverage on the Kelsey play, which, hey, like there have been healthy defense that have blown coverage to Kelsey a million times because guess what? Travis Kelsey doesn't run a route. He just go finds space out there and him Holmes have a transcendent connection. There's a reason they have the record now. We're tied with Gronk and, and Brady for the, the most playoff, you know, touchdown hookups uh, all, all time. I'm not trying to sit here and take anything away from it. I just think that this is, there are years 
There have been years where the Chiefs are a hot knife through butter and no one in the conference is going to touch them. That has been far, far from the case this year. I think this is much more a case. And hey, like Ravens, feel free to prove me wrong. Feel free to go punch the Chiefs in the mouth and let them beat you on the road. And then I'll gladly capitulate. But I thought that was much more a case of the Bills failing to take advantage of massive, massive opportunities they were given as it was the Chiefs proven that they're transcendent to me. I I think it was just a couple of good football teams that were, I mean, just inches apart from each other, but for one reason, and I was going to say for, you know, some unknown reason, I think we know the reason. One team's a winner, mm-hmm. and one team has a quarterback that wins, and one team has... Oh, Josh Allen loser, you're saying. When it comes to those two yeah. head-to-head, it's hard to argue. Yeah. They're now 0-3 in the mm-hmm. postseason. You can talk about the regular season wins. And to that point, man, I mean, we we... Spilt a lot of words on the airwaves mm-hmm. talking about the Dallas Cowboys and yeah. how they are the Toronto Maple Leafs and the regular season mm-hmm. uh, success uh, compared to the lack of postseason success. And, okay, let's just take the sample of the last three years. Oh, okay. Not the, I mean, if you want to take, I know the COVID year to you was like the only true representation of sports, right? Like, like it's watching, your, fa- it's your love, favorite sports love, season. Love watching the Leafs win ever. How dare I? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just take the COVID season out of it. If you add the COVID season, it, it changes quite a bit, but um, I'm going to take the COVID season out of it. Over the last three years, Buffalo Bills, 35 regular season wins. Dallas Cowboys, 36 regular season mm-hmm. wins. Now, the Dallas Cowboys, one in three in the postseason. Buffalo Bills now three and three in the postseason. How different should the conversation be between the Buffalo Bills who are not viewed as postseason chokers, I don't mm-hmm. think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, and the Dallas Cowboys, who very much are viewed as postseason chokers. I think the difference is, it's. I'm going to make your argument for you, the difference is the guy who's sitting at the mountaintop of the AFC. If Patrick Mahomes was in the NFC and the Cowboys lost to him every year, we'd be having very different conversations. Even if Dak threw a pick at the tail end, we go, yeah, we do the thing you're doing, where you go, well, I mean, the kicker missed a field goal, but Mahomes is just going to go down and give the ball, get a touchdown anyway, so nothing that happens before the last drive of the game even matters, because God has decided Patrick Mahomes will get it with 142 and two timeouts and it's just going to be pretty easy for him I think that that's the reason for the whole conversation there you know Jalen Hurts and the Eagles had a nice little run for a year and a half okay that seemed to immediately die on the vine uh the second they went 10 and 1 basically it immediately stopped you look at all the other teams okay Rodgers has been an elite quarterback there but he won one. This wasn't a guy who was an automatic throughout the Cowboys tenure of he will be the thorn in their side and he'll be the team that's always beat them. The Rams, it felt like they were this, you know, dynasty that was being built. And, you know, they had a nice season this year. They built it back up, but that was a kind of little three-year blip of them being an elite team. I think that's the reason why we look at it this way. Even the 49ers, who we all look at as, hey, 49ers, as good a team as there is in football, as well-rounded a team as there is in football, they feel hardly automatic because they've never had anybody at quarterback since Kaepernick was the guy there. So I, that's the way I kind of I, I look at it is that's why we view the two things differently is the guy at the top of the mountaintop in the AFC versus there not being a guy in the NFC. All right. So what's worse? Like to keep running into the same immovable object mm. in your in your path in the postseason or to to have uh you know the 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 poopoo platter yeah. of, of postseason losses and a couple of Toronto teams come to mind naturally yes, for sure okay 
DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, mm-hmm. Raptors, yeah. and and LeBron, and and yep. the the just like constant run mm-hmm. to the Eastern Conference Finals for that Cavs team. Yep. Like just it it put a sour end mm-hmm. to, to, to so many great regular seasons, and at the end of the regular at the end of the postseason, after yet another loss to LeBron James Cavs, there yep. was a lot of throwing your hands up. What are we supposed to do? That's an all time great. Yep. I suppose. I mean, there was a, a moment there where Leaf fans were like, "Oh, what we keep running into the Bruins," and then it was like, "Oh, there's the Lightning." Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I guess two postseason. Uh, letdowns to each of those teams. There's also yep. a Montreal Canadiens well, and a Columbus difference. Blue Jackets that's thrown in there. So, okay, you, you, I think the Leafs, rightly, are. I'm going to compare to mm-hmm. the Dallas Cowboys yep. and the Raptors and that run kept bumping into LeBron James to the Buffalo Bills of recent vintage. What's more painful? Uh, I think it's more. I think it's more painful to have the hope of there not being the guy there. The idea of why can't like why why can't this be open? This is the Leafs, right? As opposed to your Raptors analogy. The funny thing about the the DeRozan Lowry Raptors is that if they were in the West, we'd just be saying the same thing about the Warriors. We go, well, I mean, the Warriors are there; they're undeniable. What mm-hmm. what else could you possibly expect them to do? Like there was no hope for anybody outside of those two teams in the NBA in that era. But you know, it's this is the old Shawshank, like. Hope is a is a dangerous thing. If you're a Bills fan, you start the year with, all right, this is our year and we can do it. But you know, like you know the monster that's waiting at the end of the movie sitting there. If you're a Cowboys fan, you tell me. You you there are teams you can be terrified of. Go show me the quarterback in the NFC that you say, Oh, there's no winning if this guy's poking around. Quite frankly, if Josh Allen's in the NFC, do we do we talk that way about him? I'm not saying it's a guarantee, far, far from it, but it's certainly a possibility that we'd be talking about him if he just didn't have to go through Mahomes every single year. Lamar Jackson, it's not that he's been victim of Mahomes every year, but again, in an AFC where nothing really matters because we know who's going to be standing there at the end, would we feel differently about all these guys if they were in the other conference? And I think the thing that must be hammered home is that tells us how we feel about the pecking order of quarterbacks in the NFL, obviously, Mm -hmm. but that's where I go. I go to it. So I think it's more painful to have hope. I, in my opinion, see, I I disagree. Like, I think it's, it's, (laughs) and I, I mean, we will convince ourselves that things are going to be different next year, especially if the, the Bills get off to a great start. And, oh, maybe the, the Chiefs don't get off to a great start and yada, yada, yada. There, there's reasons to, to give yourself hope. I think it's more painful to, like, deep down in your core have no hope, right? Like, I to mm. me, that's – it's like nothing matters then, right? right? Like – you're hoping for what a Patrick Mahomes injury. I mean, if you're the Raptors, a, a, a decision by yeah. the the second greatest player in the history of the sport to leave the conference. That's what you're pinning your hopes on, as opposed to. And I know it hasn't it hasn't worked out for either the Cowboys yeah. or the Leafs. But like, you're not out of your mind to think, man. Either there's something that is happening in these postseasons that's fixable. Or two, like eventually the laws of averages are going to go our way. To me, it's 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 better to have like that's legitimate hope, mm. and I think it more exists with the Leafs than honestly it does with the Cowboys because I I do think their their quarterback is fla- fatally flawed when it comes to the postseason. Yeah, agreed. Um, but I, I to me the 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 having the LeBron James, having the Patrick Mahomes in your path, having the guy who's on the same timeline mm-hmm. as your great quarterback. In your conference, that's not going anywhere. To me, that's 
Being hopeless yeah. is the worst thing that you can have in all of pro sports and feeling like you're cursed, which, I mean, Bills fans have to feel that way. Yeah, I uh, man, I love good curse talk. And, you know, the things I've twisted myself into being Leafs curses, if if there was some equivalent, like if if Austin Matthews gets high stuff, like this couldn't even happen, but if Connor McDavid high sticks Austin Matthews in the face at the exact point in time in the third period that Gretzky did to Gilmore and somehow mm-hmm. Carrie Frazier is the ref again and it doesn't get called. Like, that's what it would take for it to be this level of knife-twisting anguish for the the Bills fans. The other, I think the other thing, the interesting comparable now that we're doing, like, the fo- the football hockey thing is that, you know, I was thinking about the other superstars in the game. Like, who is the who is Patrick Mahomes to the Leafs? And the pro- it's goalies, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's been it. It's been Vasilevsky. And yeah. that is the thing that makes you think, oh, there's no hope here. When mm-hmm. you see a goalie that just turns it on in that way, no matter how good a hockey player is, like Austin Matthews has been amazing. Connor McDavid is. They got to go sit down for two-thirds of the of the game. The goalie's out there the whole time, just has such an outsized impact. And that's why I think that when Vasilevsky was rolling that way, that's why it right. did feel kind of Mahomesy of going, doesn't matter. You can all play this team. You can, you can have the ice tilted 90% of the way. You get all the shot attempts. Yeah. It's not going to matter because much like if you leave seven seconds on the clock for Mahomes, ah, it was too much time. Time. And if you allow the lightning to, you know, just squeak one across, it feels like that was going to be too much in those moments. So yeah, I think that, that is an apt comparison. But yeah, but that, that, yeah, that, 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 that evil villain, that, that monster has been slayed last season having yep. Andre Vasilevsky's number over six games. And well, and the other thing is the timelines kind of, you know, I know the Leafs have been saying this forever of like, we're the younger team and it'll happen, but the timelines could not end up or line up more awfully for Bills fans here. Like at least Vasilevsky a little longer in the tooth. You started right. to see it. The lightning are on their kind of downswing now. And you know, Boston will be a problem and Florida, all of this. But, I, but if you're a Bills fan, what's the, what's the hope with Mahomes? There's no, Oh, no. he's getting old. No, he's going to do this, oh, this the was entire it. time that Josh Allen's going to be there. Well, plus, I mean, we don't talk about Joe Burrow, right? Because he's been oh, yeah. for a while now. It's like, hey, I, Oh, he's coming back with a vengeance <laughs> next year. <laughs> No, it sucks for Bills fans. It really, really sucks. Um, and is Sean McDermott's not on the hot seat, I guess. No. I don't know. If mm. I, if I if I was a crazy sports owner, if I was Terry Pagula, um, and I and I wanted to just go nuts, and all I cared about was winning, 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 and and you know I don't I don't care about personal relationships or upsetting the apple cart. Mm. I, I I think you're crazy if you don't just fire Sean McDermott and hire Bill Belichick. I mean, how do you, how do you, like, the, you have the greatest coach of all time just sitting sure. out there, a guy who has spent two decades tormenting your team mm. in this division, has a quarterback. I, I know the, the defensive injuries maybe makes it a, an unfixable situation during the course of the season, and, and Sean McDermott's calling card is the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball either way, but, yeah, I mean, scoreboard. Uh, they couldn't get a stop against the Kansas City Chiefs. How are you not? How are you not having a serious discussion about Bill Belichick in Orchard Park next season? It's all of the things that we've talked about with Belichick in terms of what exactly is it he wants. He definitely wants somewhere he can win. Like mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that. But how much does he want to, you know, do it his way or be seen to do it his way? Because I think if you're doing that. Like Joe Brady obviously is not going anywhere unless some team wants to hire him. And I haven't seen that he's been getting interviews anywhere, which would be a wild come up for a guy who wasn't even the OC of like week 10 of the season or whenever it was, they made the change. But it makes sense if you can say, okay, 
the offense isn't changing. Like there's no, ah, I'm going to bring in my quarter. No, 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 no. Joe Brady's the guy. Let him continue to do what he's been doing. The defense obviously would love your input there. You don't need to build this thing up. Like those guys are going to get, yes, a little longer in the tooth. And obviously NFL roster changes every year, but it's not like there's a mass exodus coming on that, on that defense there. I think that is the interesting part of it is that if you're Belichick, do you want to be seen to kind of almost be doing as little as possible? The idea of I'm just going to take care of this narrow purview. I'm going to take care of the defense and let the offense cook. This is already a ready-made machine. I think you just want to win. I think so as well, but you cannot, like, I think that is what matters far and most to Belichick, but you cannot get past the perception and the ego and how it's all perceived. Like, I think that's going to be a massive part of this as well. I I think think wherever he goes, though, I think the writing was on the wall. If he wanted to come back to the Patriots, he wasn't going to be acting. uh, He wasn't going to be making the personal... The player personnel decisions in New England. I think wherever he goes, I mean the the are you draft. I think the Falcons are just going to say do whatever you want, Bill. I I mean I to guess a that's a desperate franchise, I suppose. But yeah, look at the draft track record, right? Yeah, it's uh, terrible. It's, I know it's it's not I ideal. Know. And I I I think yeah. What what trumps uh, having total autonomy over a franchise like yeah. the Atlanta freaking Falcons, uh, ready made, ready to win. Uh, team like the Buffalo Bills. Now, the division thing, as much as I think it's a pro for oh, the Bills, I, I don't I don't know. Is that a con- consideration no, for Bill I, Belichick playing the Patriots twice a season? No, I don't think. I think that with Belichick, obviously, I think if everything was equal, he'd maybe go somewhere else. But I think that, you know, it makes it a little awkward in the interim. But if anything, it like further burnishes him in New England of, ah, you should have held on to this guy. Now he's running the division. Be the, like, he's not going to go to the Jets, I don't think. It'd be the exact same thing. There, I think I mean, that, the Jets should do it too. I mean, the Jets have more reason. I mean, yeah, oh, course. Robert Sala had no quarterback, so what? Yeah. Like, I don't well, care. Like, get rid of him. Yeah, no, just Bill Belichick. <laughs> oh wait, his team stink when they don't have one either. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, it's interesting. I just yeah, I if that if uh, that story that came out about John McDermott earlier this year wasn't the uh, the kiss of death for him, I well, think he's they sick. just kept well, and they kept winning, right? Yeah. And and we went from a team that was life and death to make the playoffs. I mean into the final week of the regular season, but ends up as a two seed in the AFC and with a chance to knock yeah. off the the best team in the recent history of the sport. Well, uh, it goes back to also the other thing we talked about earlier this hour, right? Like if you're Belichick and all that matters is winning, you know, he wants both, but like what matters more? The 15 wins and how quickly he can get that to pass Shula or the one win that he wants to get a Super Bowl without Brady or not in New England. And I think your argument is if you're the Bills, you probably can say, I can get to the 15 wins easier with you. But we just talked about it in the path in the NFC. And I don't think somebody like Bill Belichick would think this way. But if you can build up a team in the NFC, you tell me who's the monster waiting at the end. And yeah, 49ers are scary. Brock sure. Purdy's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Bill Belichick-led Patriots team did uh, knock off the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, too. So. Yeah, I remember. Thank you, D. Ford. Really, yep. really big fan of you. Big shout-out for that. Also, I just do feel like... Uh, I uh, Answer this for me quickly. Do Bills fans, are they, like, happy to have the reprieve from wide right talk? And they're like, that's good. Or do they go, really? We have to talk about Bill Belichick this mm. morning on a day that I woke up and saw that last night. Well, the, the, you think they're angry at me for bringing up Bill Belichick? I mean, if I'm, if I'm a Bills fan, I'm just angry. So there's yeah. nothing you could do about that. But I how definitely about, would go, I don't want to talk about this guy this morning. How about, like, the Detroit Lions feeling less cursy than the Buffalo Bills? 
which is, I mean, it's just a fact. They're it's true. to the NFC Championship game vibes for the first are, time since 91. Get Darko down there for a vibes clinic because they are immaculate in Detroit right now. They are. We'll get to that uh, and the other two uh, divisional round playoff games next. But when we come back, back into the Leafs, uh, who got goaltending yesterday? Will they uh, get the same from Ilya Samsonov if he gets the start on Wednesday against the Jets? That and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.